Thank you for joining us for another life-giving message from City Church Now in Progress. Today, I just want to have a discussion about the God of my low places. The God of my low places. Everybody say, the God of my low places. I want you to take some good notes this morning. It does not offend me if you don't give me an amen. It's cool with me as long as you're hearing what the Lord has for us today. Let me first lead with this thought. This is not an on-the-road message. Uh, When I received the the instructions to be with you today, I said it's cool with me. I can chill this weekend and just preach something I've already taught before. And so I prayed about it, and I sought the Lord about it. He says, nah, not this weekend. He says, I want you to go a little bit deeper because there's some people in City Church that need a word. There's some people in City Church who's trying to locate me. There's some people in City Church who's trying to ask me to put my finger on the pulse of the situation. There's some people in City Church who is saying, I don't know what you're up to, but I need some instruction from you. Lord, where am I? There's some people in City Church. Am I talking to City Church this morning? And so I want to talk to a few people in City Church, and I want to talk about the God in your low places. It is my belief that there are significant moments that prepares every child of God for his or her destiny. Many times these moments are what I'd like to call for the sake of this teaching this morning, low places. Are y'all tracking with me so far? Just in case you are wondering what a low place is, it's the place of discouragement. It's the place of debt, the place of distress, the place of potential defeat. The God that you and I serve has certain nuances about himself that suggest that he works better in low places. That was good right there. It's it's something about God. It seems to me that he seems more attracted to low places than high places. I I don't know who I'm talking to today. It seems like there's a greater anointing on your life in low places than high places. Do I have anybody in the room this morning at City Church who might be in a season called uh, low places? Look at your neighbor and say, I don't know about you, but I am in a low place. If you never have been in a low place, then these next few moments we have together really won't make any sense to you. And it probably won't help you understand what it means to keep saying the same prayer again and again from a place that you know God is in because he's sovereign. But you question if he heard you when you prayed about it the first time, but he left you in the place you prayed from. Do I have anybody in this room today? Like you've talking to God about a certain situation and you want God to move you from that place. You talk to him because he says the effectual fervent prayers of the righteous availed much. And, and you know that you can bring your burdens to God and you talk to God about the burden, but he leaves you with the burden. Okay, y'all ain't talking back to me. I'm reminded of what Paul said was given unto me a thorn in my flesh. The Bible doesn't tell us 
what the thorn is. It could have been cancer. It could have been dead. It could have been the fact that he was in prison. It could have been a relational thorn. We don't know what the thorn is, but the Bible says, God says, stay where you're at because it's more anointing where you're at than where you want to be at. Y'all ain't talking back to me. And I come to tell you that maybe where God has you right now, he wants you to stay there because the greater, the, the lower the place you're in, the greater the anointing that God can release upon your life. Do I have anybody in this room today? You are in some low places. Somebody say, hi, my name is, what's your name? And I am in, in a low place. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And so I want to, I want to just kind of work with this thought this morning because the question I had to ask, what do you do when you're in a low place and God has no updates? What do you do when you're in a low place and God has no updates? He's not as consistent with his updates like our electronic devices. My little sister was fussing at me because she wanted to FaceTime me and she wanted to do a group FaceTime. And she says, I can tell you hadn't updated your phone. I says, well, I'm cool with the old update. Seems like every time I update this thing, something else goes wrong. I said, I wish they would just pick a version and be cool with it. But they keep telling me I got to update week after week and the new update creates some glitches. And so she says, you need to update your phone because I want to video chat you because she's, of course, at Howard in the university to give it up for her. Amen. She's seeking out a degree there and she just wants to stay connected with me. I says, well, I'll update the phone. And to my surprise, I updated my phone last night as I was kind of working through this message and she video chat me chat me with several people I said oh my god this is pretty cool this is pretty cool so we were able to do like four people in video chat on FaceTime and it just was amazing but I begin to wonder why isn't God like that why doesn't he provide as many updates as Apple does why why has he not let me know what he's up to and I quickly discovered that God does his best work in silence. He does. Yes, he does. He does his best work. Somebody say he does his best work in silence. I don't know who this message is for, but one thing for sure, I'm sure I'm talking to some people who might be dealing with some things that you might be asking God, will this marriage really work out? Will this job situation I'm in, will, will it stay intact? Because I, I'm noticing that they're doing some layoffs. Will the meds work this time? Will, will I miss this round of layoffs? Will my relationship status ever change? Will I survive the breakup? Will me and the kids be okay? Will my career ever take off? Will the business make it through? Uh, uh, what about my schooling? I've got some students loans that I need to be moved out of the way. When are you going to come through and help me forgive some debt because I'm tired of the place? Am I talking to anybody in church this morning? I'm talking about a few people who are in low places. What if I was commissioned here today to tell you that before God can do anything great in your life, he has to take you to a low place before he can elevate you to a high place. Glory to God. That was good right there. <laughs> Hallelujah. A couple of weeks ago, I took a trip to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Some of you might be thinking, why in the world would you go to Milwaukee, Wisconsin? 
And it was there in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, it was there that God began to reveal something to me that, I, that, that would allow me really to put my finger on the pulse of what was happening in many of the lives of the people that I was connected to. I boarded the plane and said, Lord, I don't want to come back to Dallas without you telling me something. I, I need you to tell me something. I'm, I'm sensing something in my spirit. I'm sensing people need a word from you. I'm sensing people really want to know what is up with this season. It's not, it seems as if it's moved from a season to a cycle. You're cool with a season of testing, but what do you do when you go through a cycle of testing? A a test that's on repeat. Yeah, yeah. A test that's on repeat. Like you keep coming to the same door and you say, I may not have got an A, but I got a 70. And what do you call a doctor that got a 70? A doctor. And I don't know who I'm talking to in this room. You know, you passed the test, but God keep bringing you to the door to take the same test. Am I helping anybody today? My job this morning is to speak to your low places. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, we're going to get into the text. Uh, You notice that in 1 Samuel 7, David asked God, what can I do for you? He asked God in 1 Samuel, what can I do for God? And, And God simply proposes to him. He says, I want you to build a temple. And now David in 2 Samuel 9 is asking the question, what can I do for others? I think that's the great mark of a believer in God, that you should be asking God, what can I do for somebody else? I believe that recently Pastor Harmon has been teaching a message on being better together. Y'all, has that been a great teaching? And I just thought it was interesting to put that plug there that that just confirms that sometimes it's better to do life together than alone. And many times we can do more together than we can do apart. All right. Okay. That that ain't my assignment. Y'all looking like he preached that eight weeks. We get it. All right. It's cool. (laughs) Second Samuel chapter nine, verse one. I just want to walk exegetically through the text and lift a few points or observations that I believe we can run with. Verse one says, one day David asked, is anyone's in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, 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 verse one, verse one, verse one is too important for me to skip over. Verse 1 has a lot packed in that one verse because early in David's career, he was known as a wise and fair leader. And when he became king, he continued to handle every problem with great skill. And that is the mark of a great leader. And in light of the covenant that God made with David, uh, what it shows that David wanted to make sure that he honored his word. There's value in honoring your word. Somebody say there's value in honoring your word. So so it's fitting for David to remember the covenant, watch this, that he made with his brother Jonathan. They had a very close relationship. It was Jonathan that that caused David to leave out of the hands of Saul. It was Jonathan who texted David and said, you better get out of here because Saul is in a rampage right now. He's getting ready to come after you. And it's the reason of Jonathan that David says, I owe you. So David remembers this covenant. And when most kings came to power, they really sought to eliminate any survivals, survivors of the pre- preceding king. But, but what's interesting was not David. David was bound by the covenant of his best 
friend. Jonathan was David's best friend and David is loyal to his oath and he's eager to take care of any of Jonathan's descendants. And the challenge that I believe we have in our world today and many times when you're sitting in low places, you begin to wonder if God ever remembers. You begin to wonder if God remembers the covenant or the promise he made to you. Do I have anybody who's in this room today? Sometimes you wonder if he remembers. You know, you started your relationship out with God and you made some promises and he made some promises to you according to the word of God. And you said that you was going to order my steps according to the purpose of your will, but I'm waiting for them to be ordered. Am I talking to anybody today? You said that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just and I'm waiting on the wealth. Amen. Do I have anybody that's talking to me today? I mean, you said you were going to heal my body because you said that, 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 that for my sake, Jesus died on the cross so that I might be healed and I'm still waiting on the fulfillment. Do I have anybody I'm talking to in this place today and I know we are all we can all agree that some of us have a type of low place in some area in our life it may be one a level different than mine but I know what it is to be in a low place praying and talking to God from a low place worshiping God from a low place talking to God and he ain't saying nothing to you from a low place I know what it is to be in a low place a place that you fast from and nothing moves a place what you talk to the counselor about and nothing changes. Do I have anybody who knows what it is to talk to God from a low place? Many times in that low place, we wonder if God remember, does he suffer from amnesia? Does he really remember what he told me? And I want to tell you right now, this prophetic decree and word for your life, God remembers covenant. God remembers covenant. Everybody say that. God remembers covenant. Say it again. God remembers covenant. Say it again. God remembers covenant. At a time where covenant and honoring vows have become bleak and and it's out of the norm, I sense to need to let every person in this room know that God stands by his word. I hear I come to tell you today that God has not forgotten about the plans that he has for you. I'm reminded of what he said to some people who were led into exile. And he spoke to Jeremiah, to this group of people. He says, let them know that I hadn't forgot the plans that I have for them. He says, I know they're in a hard place, but let them know I will honor my word. Let them know I'm reminded of when Noah was on a boat, when God changed everything. The Bible says God remembered Noah. Noah. Do I have anybody? I come to tell you today that God's about to remember your name. He's about to remember the promises of God on your life. I'm reminded of the children of Israel when they were praying to God, asking God to free them. And the Bible says God remembered the prayers of those who were in Egyptian slavery. Psalms 106, 44 and 45 says it this way, still when God saw the troubles they were in and heard their cries for help, what? He remembered his covenant 
with them. Glory to God. And immense with love took them by the hand. He poured out his mercy on them while their captors looked on and amazed. It's amazing to me that the best place for God to rescue you from is a low place. Glory to God. It seems as if God wants to make an example out of you and to let everybody connected to you that might be hating on you, that might be looking down their nose at you. God wants to show them, I know you saw them in a low place, but watch me raise them up from a low place and anoint them for the next season in their life. I'm here to suggest to every person in the seats that God remembers what he said. Somebody say he remembers what he said and he will come through on what he promised. That's, I, 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 I need to stop there for just a moment because I don't know who I'm talking to today, but maybe you think that he forgot about it. And I'm here to tell you that he hadn't forgot about it. He hadn't forgot about the vision that you all set forth in this church some eight or nine years ago. He hasn't forgot about City Church. He hasn't forgot about the fellowship of believers. He hasn't forgot about the word. He hasn't forgot about the decree. He hasn't forgot about it. It's just you got to keep waiting while the Lord works on what he's planned for you. Glory to God. Somebody say he hadn't forgot about it. Keep walking through verse two. Verse two says, and there was the house of Saul, a servant whose name was Ziba. When they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, art thou Ziba? And he said, thy servant is he. What's interesting about verse two is Ziba is the one who is very instrumental in helping David bless a family member from Jonathan's household. Jonathan had a son by the name of Maribol. We know him as Mephibosheth, but his real name was Maribol. What you have to be careful with being in low places is sometimes the low place will cause you to question who you are. And so though his name was Maribol, he renamed himself Mephibosheth. What have you named yourself in your low place? I'm talking good right now. What have you called yourself in a low place? You have to look at your low place and still see the plan of God in your life. So Mephibosheth's real name was Meribol and it was Ziba who remembered Mephibosheth was in a low place. Glory to God. So, 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 so his name was Meribol who technically had been hiding because of his family and, 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 and the family was a member of the defeated royal family, which, watch this, made him an enemy of the state. And so technically, Maribol was on the run. He was on the run. He was an enemy of the state. And so he's in a place of hiding. And in his hiding, he changed his name because he didn't want to be recognized by anybody. And Maribol was afraid of David. But what Meribol didn't know was that God had made a covenant between him and his uncle. Glory to God. I, I come to tell somebody in the room today, you may not know the agreement that God may have made to somebody connected to you. So you have no reason to fear in your low place. And Meribol was not aware of the covenant. So he led, lived the majority of his life in fear. Live the majority of his life in fear. Verse 3, we see the king then asked him, he says, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive and he is crippled in both feet. Now, the son of Jonathan 
is crippled and he's sitting in the place where the only person that really knows his whereabouts was Ziba. And, 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 and not only was he crippled in both feet, but he was also isolated. It's one thing to be crippled. It's another to be crippled and isolated. Uh, You're you going to follow me just a minute. See, see, you, you have to understand that the enemy wants you to take, take your condition, go to a low place, and then isolate yourself. Okay, and so that, that you got to be careful with low places because it's not the plan of God for you to be isolated in low places. No, 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 no. God don't want you to deal with the sickness all by yourself. That's why you need family. God, God doesn't want you to work this marriage in your own strength. He wants you to connect with somebody who has a greater marriage and y'all work it out together. God, God wants you to connect yourself with people who can help you in your low place, not pacify your low place. See, 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 you have to be careful about low places because low places will also attract other people in low places. And so what y'all will do is sit and compare notes about your symptoms instead of celebrating the victory that you have in Jesus and know that God is a healer. I know I'm dealing with cancer, but cancer is about to get out of the way. I know I'm dealing with debts, but debt is about to get out of the way. I know I'm dealing with joblessness, but God is about to be my joint supply and every need in my life uh, do I have anybody in this church it's in a low place Ziba was very instrumental in getting Maribel out of that low place what you're going to notice about Maribel is his condition didn't change but his surroundings did that's good right there. Sometimes God will leave you with the thing. Okay, yeah. See, we don't want to talk about that because we, we just we want to talk about the God that'll heal and that'll fix it and that will erase it and do all that great stuff. But what do you do? Can you serve a God that'll leave you with it? <laughs> uh, can, you, can you serve a God that will let you stay stuck in what you're in, but being stuck in what you're in creates a greater anointing? Because I believe that the greater the struggle, the greater the trial, it is the very area that you are anointed in the most. And God knows in order to get any oil out of you, glory to God, in order to get any oil out of you, he's got to leave you in a pressing place to produce an anointing that will bring somebody else into the kingdom. So Ziba was instrumental in getting Maribel out of this low place. The question I had to ask in reading this passage, because I'm biblically nosy, you know, most pastors are nosy. I don't know about Ray Harmon, but I'm nosy. The word on the street in our church is Pastor Ken is very nosy. And so, so I'm very biblically nosy as well. And so I had to ask the question, how did he end up being crippled? And two my surprise, I discovered that the cause of his condition was the result of somebody else's mishandling. <laughs> somebody else mishandled him and caused him to be dropped. See, see, you're not dealing with the debt situation because you were out there shopping and looking at all of the ads. No, you're in debt because of the layoff. And it was your ability to use certain payment forms of payment to take care of certain responsibilities that caused you to be in the predicament. We call it robbing Peter to pay Paul. 
Oh, y'all don't know what I'm talking about in this church? Oh, is that only on the east side of Plano? I don't know. But, but I'm here to tell you that sometimes you got to rob from Peter to pay Paul. You know what it's like to, risk, to remove from funds from your 401k to handle certain obligations. And so he was dropped at the hand of a nurse. He, didn't, he wasn't born crippled. He was running and this nurse picked him up and, and she mishandled him. The Bible says he was dropped and he began to be crippled in both feet. And this, this nurse who was handling or mishandling him, uh, they were actually running from a scene of a murder in progress. So in running, he wasn't running fast enough. I'm only assuming that this young man had to be between the age of three and six years old running and wanting to be assisted in running. He didn't want to be another individual who would lose his life and the nurse drops him. So from the age of five, he lived the rest of his life as an enemy of the state, crippled and in hiding. It's verse number four that I really came to talk to you about. It's verse four. It says, David asked Ziba, where is this young man that you're talking about? And, and Ziba simply replies, he says, in Lodabar. Everybody say Lodabar. Say Lodabar again. Say it again. Lodabar. Lodabar. He says, uh, he's in Lodabar. For some of you, the question you've been asking is, where am I in this season? Everybody's excited about life, but I don't really seem to be that excited. I know Christmas is coming, and I ain't really feeling Christmas this year. I know Thanksgiving is coming, but I ain't really feeling that all thankful. Am I talking? To, oh, oh we, we can't be honest in this church. You, you know every day you ain't thankful. You looking less thankful right now. I'm looking at your face. It's okay. We all go through those seasons where we are not as thankful as we were in the prior season because sometimes we are so busy looking at our condition. We're so busy looking at what we're dealing with. We're so busy looking at what needs to be paid. We're so busy looking at the diagnosis. We're so busy looking at the thing instead of looking at him. So, so, so. Maribel is in Lodabar. And I'm here to suggest to you that maybe you've been trying to figure out where you are. And maybe my call that I got on Tuesday was to tell you, you might be in Lodabar. You might be in Lodabar. You've, pressed, you've prayed about it. You've fasted about it. You've, you've sought out counsel about it. You've encouraged yourself, but you still feel as if you're in a place. And you don't know where it is because this is unusual. You've, 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 you've never been here before. This, this really in you. Have you ever said, you know, this isn't really me. You've, you, y'all, there's that look again. Y'all, yeah, that look again, that look again. You, like you're in a place that you know is not so you. And even your homegirls and your homeboys are saying, man, what's going on with you lately? And you say, I don't know. I, I don't know what God is up to. And I don't know what's going on with me. I just feel as if I just need to be to myself for a season. So excuse me, I can't be the encourager in this season. I am the one that's in need of encouragement. And you've been trying to figure out, God, what are you up to? And where am Where am I? And I'm here to tell you where you are. You might be in Lodabar. 
you might be Lodabar. Lodabar is the city of Nothingville and the county of doubt. Lodabar is the city of Nothingville and the county of doubt. This is the very place that the enemy has illegally allowed a vast majority of believers to migrate to. And the Lord sent me here to tell you to pack your bags because last night was your last night living in Lodabar. I'll say that one again. The Lord sent me here to tell you, get your luggage, your briefcase, whatever you got to get because last night was your last night living in Lodabar. Everybody saying last night was my last night living in Lodabar. Say it again. Last night was my last night living in Lodabar. Look at your neighbor and say, pack your bags. We getting ready to move. Lodabar, Lodabar. If you want to know what Lodabar is, Lodabar is the low place in. I'll say that one again. I think you missed it. You'll get it in the car. Lodabar is the low place in. Lodabar is the low place in. It's the place of no word. It's the place of no provision. It's the place where ain't nothing happening. It is a, it is, it is a nothing town. It is not the most productive place because it's the place where even God doesn't say anything. Y'all going to catch it in just a minute. It, it, is, it is in the middle of nowhere. Have you ever been in the middle of nowhere? I was traveling for the first time a few weeks ago uh, on a little reef sabbatical, and I checked out uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. So uh, if you know anything about me, I don't like to be in cars too long, and so I prefer to get there by plane than car. And so because we were on a budget, Y'all ain't saying that you've never been on a budget. And so we did a low-budget vacation. And so we decided to put the truck on the road, and I prayed my way through seven hours' journey one way. But one thing I discovered, that on my way to New Orleans, ain't nothing in between it. It is nothing but swamps, glory to God, bunch of trees, not even gas stations to get petroleum. I, I said, Lord, I'd hate to run out of gas in the middle of this nothing town. And many of us are in a low budget season where you're traveling to a certain place and there's nothing in the route of where you're trying to go. And you're trying to figure out, God, how are you going to make it possible? And I come to tell you today, get ready because you've been going by car, but get ready. You're getting ready to go by plane. Glory to God. Certain things you're getting ready to pass over. Certain things that wanted to kill you. God says, I'm going to use it to rescue you. It's a low place in. And I just sense the need that some of you in this church this morning feels as if you've been living from an obscure place. Obscure meaning you have the sickness but no insurance policy. You have the business but no funding sources. You have the vision but not the right support to pull the vision off. You have the education but not the opportunity. You have the experience but not the education. I mean, you, you have it, but you're missing like like it's like having the, the, the ingredients for a cake, but you're missing something as simple as 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 bacon powder. I never knew the value of bacon powder 
until I tried to fix some cornbread dressing a couple of years ago. See, see, my season is coming up. And, and I, I'm normally, normally anointed around Thanksgiving. I mean, I fix all the trimmings and all the fixings and got to check it out sometime. But I, I, I got a cast iron skillet. Old school mothers would know the cast iron skillet. You, you put the bread in that. You don't, these old new age pans, nonstick pans, y'all like to use. No, no, no. You use a cast iron skillet that you don't ever clean. <laughs> No, 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 you don't clean the cast iron skillet. And so I, I, about my fifth try of making this cornbread from cornmeal and eggs and a little salt, a little bit of that, I says, why isn't my bread rising? I says, something's missing, something's missing, something's missing. And then I began to research and realized that the one ingredient that I thought wasn't a big deal was really a big deal, and it was called baking soda or baking powder. And I don't know who I'm talking to in this church this morning. You've got the eggs, you've got the cornmeal, you've got the sugar, you've got the salt, but you're missing baking powder. You're missing one small thing to help make happen what you said God wanted to do through you. One, do I have anybody that's missing one small minute ingredient that you didn't think was a big deal? But baby, it's a big deal because it is the difference from you staying where you are and getting to where you want to get to. So I'm here to tell you today. That the opportunity of a lifetime is headed in your direction. That's what I came to tell you. If I don't say anything else to anybody in this church in the next few minutes that I have with you this morning, opportunities are coming in your direction. Somebody lift your hands and say, I receive opportunities of a lifetime. It's verse 5, verse 5. I'm, I'm still in good time. Don't judge me. I'm still in good time. I got three minutes, 17 seconds. Verse 5, verse 5. I'm always, anytime I'm presenting the word of God, I'm always looking for the mystery of the text. I'm always looking for not just a good Bible lesson, but I'm looking for God, what is it you want me to say? What is it that you really want the people to hang their hats on? What is it? What is the word? You know what I'm talking about? What is, what is the word? And, and the word for you guys is in verse five. David says, send for him. David tells Ziba, send for him and bring him to Makur's house. Now, 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 David hears about the grandson of Saul, the son of his dear friend, and the Lord sent me here to tell you that like David sent for Meribol, God is sending for you. Glory to God. I don't know. I got excited about that, 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 that the word for the house this morning is he's sending for you. Oh, y'all missing it this morning. My young people will say, don't come for me unless I y'all ain't talking back. I'm here to tell you that the devil has been coming for you, but God is sending for you. Glory to God. The devil's been fighting your home, but God is sending for you. The devil's been fighting you in your marriage, but God is sending for you. Somebody say he's sending for me. I don't know who this is for, but I'm here to tell you that God is sending for you. God is not the God who will leave you in low places. He is not the God that will let you die in the sickness. He's not the God that would allow you to die in defeat. He is not the God that would allow you to live your life in distress. He's sending people with answers to your problems. He's sending. Somebody say he's sending for me. 
Say it again. He's sending for me. He's sending for the single mom trying to make it on her own. He's sending for the dad dealing with an infirmity that even the doctors don't know about. He's sending for the marriage that's 10 years strong but dealing with some trust issues. He's sending for the unemployed executive who has the experience but lacked the opportunity. He's sending for the couple who's dealing with an insurmountable amount of debt that's robbing them of their peace at night. Somebody say he's sending for me. He's sending for the unfortunate, the least likely to succeed. He's sending to the last. He's sending to the lowest. Somebody shout, he's sending for me. You do realize that Jesus was God's way of sending for us. Oh, y'all missed that right there. You, you do realize that maybe Maribal and Mephibosheth, maybe Jesus is David and we are Mephibosheth, meaning Jesus came to rescue us from low places, maybe because of the sin and he couldn't find anyone righteous in the world. So he decided to look at himself, wrap himself up in flesh and clothes. And the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave or sent (laughs) his only begotten son so that whosoever might believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God is sending for me. Somebody say, he's sending for me. I I love what Isaiah said in Isaiah 61, for the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent, (laughs) there's that word again, me to to, to, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release them from darkness, all of the prisons. I'm here to tell you today that God is sending for you. He who knew no sin, became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. I'm here to tell you, and I'm done, we are in our sending season. Yes, God. Somebody say, I'm in my sending season. Say it again. I'm in my sending. Say it again. I'm in. Thank you, brother. I'm in. I'm in. Say it again. I'm in my sending season. When you get through the week, I want you to realize that you're in a sending season. When you get to the job on Monday morning, I'm in a sending season. When you go back to hear the doctor's report, somebody shout, I'm in a sending season. I'm, I'm in a season where God is sending for me. Somebody say, I'm in a season where God is sending for me. He's rescuing me from my low places. He's rec- rescuing me from my hard places. He's rescuing me from the difficult places. He's rescuing me from the places where I I've been dealing with personal pain, but publicly I've been celebrating God, but privately I've been miserable. This is my ascending season. Everybody say, this is my ascending season. Stand to your feet all over this place. This is my ascending season, ascending season, ascending season. I just sense the need to prophetically declare that into this house of believers this morning that you're in a season where God is sending for you. Verse 7 is interesting because verse 7 tells Mephibosheth, also known as Meribal, when Mephibosheth is beckoned to the house of David. When Mephibosheth gets to his house, the Bible talks about the fact that Mephibosheth was nervous because he knew that he had been an enemy of the state. And the very first few words that David gives Mephibosheth, he says, do not be afraid. (laughs) He says, do not be afraid. 
And simply, if you read that passage continually during your week of devotion, you're going to find that Mephibosheth entered into a season of restoration, even with his crippled self. <laughs> that, 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 that last night was his last night of living in Lodabar. And here's the prophetic utterance, and, and I'm done. Your condition is God's excuse to bless you. That's it. Your condition is God's excuse to bless you. It was because of Mephibosheth's condition that David, God prompted David's heart to honor his word. And the Bible says that Mephibosheth lived in the legacy of his father. And watch this. Ziba ended up working for Mephibosheth. Oh, my God. The man that was looking out for him ended up using his workmen to assist him in taking care of business. And I'm here to tell you, you may be broken both feet, but God is going to send somebody to help you with your crippled self. Glory to God. I dare you to praise God for being crippled. What would you do? Can you praise him? When both hands are tied, can you praise him with the sickness? Can you praise him with the marriage in trouble? Can, can you praise him with your joblessness? Can you still praise him? Let me to tell you that your condition is God's excuse to bless you. I'm going to release myself here, but close your eye and connect yourself to the hand you're standing next to. And I want to pray over you real quickly. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the word of God today. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more details about City Church and for other resources, visit us online at www.citychurchtv.com or contact us via email at info at If you were encouraged or inspired by today's message, we ask that you prayerfully consider partnering with us financially, either in a one-time gift or as a monthly partner. No gift is too small. We have three convenient ways for you to give. Via our website at citychurchtv.com backslash give. Via text, text citychurchtv and the amount that you would like to give to 77977. By mail, mail your check or money order to City Church Global Ministries, 8105 Razor Boulevard, Box 90, Plano, Texas, 75024. Once again, thank you for downloading today's message. We look forward to connecting with you soon.